All right. Thank you, Sergio. Thank you, worship team. Uh, good to be family. Good to be spiritual family gathering. Um, I do not like shopping. Okay, that's how I'm going to start this sermon out today right now. I just am in awe of people who actually enjoy window shopping, browsing window to window in a mall or something. I just think that is torture. Um, I am a guy like, I, especially clothes. I just hate clothes shopping. That's like a punishment to me. I'm the guy, my wife doesn't understand this about me. I don't understand her in this area. It's just one of those, we just got to respect each other's differences. You know what I mean? I will wear the same thing until it's beat up. I've had this shirt for about 12, 15 years. I don't know. It's a long time. You know what I mean? It's still, still looking good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, just, I just wear it until it's absolutely destroyed or it's completely socially unacceptable. Um, and just, I just want to avoid shopping for new clothes. You know, that's just, you feeling me? I got some of the brothers are like, yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and when, when that moment finally comes when I have to get uh, clothes, I just, I'm at Costco, I grab whatever's at Costco, and I just pray it fits. You know what I mean? I am dressed by Costco, baby, right there. Mm-hmm. Bam. Over the course of my life, I have been around people who have an eye for clothes and fashion, and sometimes they will try to help me. My daughter is starting to do that now. But, you know... But, I, but when my daughter or anyone else tries to give me advice on fashion, it's not that I don't believe them. I know that I do not know what I'm doing with fashion, uh, but it's that I just don't want to put an ounce of energy into dealing with fashion. Okay, so as a 20-year-old new Christian, I was still wearing shirts from middle school when I was 20 years old, and I was, I'm a new Christian. I'm trying to learn everything I could about the Bible, about following Jesus, well, in our church community, Rita was one, one of the many new friends that I uh, had made in my new church community, and she was a fashion person. She would, every once in a while, give a few of us some suggestions. Some people acted on them. For me, it was in one ear, out the other. And Rita, she was always dressed sharp. She had an eye for it. She was gifted. And so one day, I get a knock on my door, and there's Rita with her shopping bag. She said, hey, I saw what you were wearing the other day, and I thought the next time you wear it, put that. That'll match it really well. I shut the door, and I was like, now I can do that. That's pretty cool. Just somebody shopping for me, you know what I mean? So the next time I wore that outfit, I bought, brought out that shopping bag. I added it. I looked in the mirror. I was like, here we go, baby, showtime. Many people in our church community over the next year or two got those knocks on the door from Rita. Rita would just buy a lot of clothes for people in the church. And we would tease her. We would go, man, you must really think we're all a bunch of slobs or something around here, you know. She would laugh, but when she was pressed, she would say, Jesus has convicted me that I'm not to use my gifts for myself only, but for my church, the body of Christ. Instead of buying more clothes for me, I'm trying to buy more clothes for others. It's part of my becoming like Jesus. That kind of hit me as a new Christian. I was like, oh, that's, that's a new way of thinking about gifts and life and hobbies. A couple of years later, one of our brothers in the church, their family had a little financial crisis, and he told us that he couldn't pay for his tuition, and he was going to take a semester off of college just to work. He was close to graduating. 
and we were so bummed for him, but then surprised when the semester started, and he's in school with the rest of us college folks. We found out later that Rita, the clotheswoman, had emptied her savings account to pay for his tuition for that semester. Rita had a gift for fashion, but as we all eventually learned, as she started buying clothes, she actually had the spiritual gift of generosity. And not only did she get me some nice clothes in the time, um, I was in that church community with her, but she, through her faithfulness, helped me learn a crucial aspect of being a follower of Jesus, a crucial aspect of living in the unique joy that only Jesus can give us, a crucial aspect of how God will evaluate our lives when we meet him face-to-face on that great day. And we're going to learn about that crucial aspect today. And so if you're able, please stand to honor the reading of God's word. We are in Romans chapter 12. Starting in verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Lord Jesus, thank you for gathering us today. Thank you for the life that you are offering us today. Thank you that right now, like every day, you stand in front of each one of us and saying, I love you, and I've got something special today for you. Help us, Lord Jesus, to just receive today to receive your word, your strength, your conviction, your encouragement, your discipline, all that we need, we say yes. Remove apathy, remove distraction. We just say these words that we just heard, Jesus, they're your words given to us through your spirit. Speak. Your people are listening. Pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. I think it's hard for us as Angelinos in 2022 to realize just how consumed we are with ourselves. We live in sort of a general culture that has really been, over the years, becoming more and more about idolizing, worshiping the individual. We worship our individual selves. And if you've never really lived in other countries, especially in Latin America, many of the Asian countries, many of the countries on the continent of Africa, You don't realize how different we are in our worship of the individual. Here in America, it's all about the I and the my. I am God of my life, my money, my feelings, my truth, my destiny. Is that an amen? Yeah. We're we're so consumed with the idolatry of the individual that we found all kinds of ways to live out this worship of the self. Men now proudly declare I'm an alpha male, in order to not have to sacrifice individual desires for others. No, I'm an alpha male. Women proudly declare, I'm a diva, in order not to have to sacrifice individual desires for others. Man, we're in it deep. And so the words here that we read from the scriptures are hard for us to hear as we really let them mean what they mean. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. What is he saying here? 
We are not to think of ourselves as greater than others. That's pretty clear, right? Our judgment of ourselves, he's saying, it must be honest, must be sober. We have to measure ourselves, evaluate ourselves by the faith God has distributed each of us. What does that mean? It means don't be consumed with evaluating yourself by your athletic talents or your academic accomplishments or your bank account or your skills in fighting or your fashion or your hobbies. We think of our individual selves instead by the faith that God has distributed for, to each of us. Well, how do we do that? How do we measure ourselves uh, right, with the faith that God has given to us? Well, Paul explains more. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. See, this is so helpful. But the implication of this, as we break this down, is not going to be easy for us individual addicts. God has given each of us faith, but that faith cannot be fulfilled on its own. Faith, the scripture is saying right here, is like a body part. So a hand has been given a unique feature to grab things. So it is right that each of us has an individuality. We're not supposed to just be a number. We're not just supposed to be anonymous, right? We do have an individuality. But the hand cannot live out its uniqueness unless it's connected to the arm. The arm cannot live out its uniqueness unless it's connected to the shoulder joint. Sorry, elbow. I mean, I'm just moving. You know what I mean? All the way to the neck. Unless it's connected to the brain and connected to the heart. You know, each member is unique, but it belongs to all the others. Don't think that you have the special sauce, baby. You're unique, but you can only be unique as you connect in deep, dependent, mutual serving ways to everyone else. See, no wonder why we as a larger culture are so messed up and are destroying our lives, right? The message today to all of us is you have to find your identity on your own. You have to find your purpose on your own because you're an individual. You have to find your joy on your own. We're like these hands who have broken off from the arm and are crawling around the streets of L.A. I'm looking for happiness. I'm looking for satisfaction. It's kind of creepy, actually. <laughs> it's like, right? I, like, then there a movie a long time ago that had like a hand. Just, it's, yeah. yeah, the show. Yes, that's creepy. Yes, thank you. Dating myself, too. You know, I'm looking for my purpose. I'm looking for my truth. I'm looking for my, 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 my. And then it's like, get away from me, arm. You're too tired to be connected to. You always want so much from me, right? Get away from me, shoulder. You're just too different than me with your big, large, bendable joint. I can only be with other tiny joint people. And those with nails. I like nails. You don't have nails, shoulder. Neck, I'm sorry, but you're just too blah for me. It's just too depressing to hang out with you. And brain, you just make me too insecure with all your wires and your neurons and all the blood that you attract all the time. I don't like how I compare myself to you, so peace out. I'll find my happiness all by myself. Where's the other hands? Where are the other hands? Isn't this fascinating to explore for us together as an individual addicts or hopefully recovering individualists? God makes us all very unique, amen, but not to break off from each other and to be independent. And not to just hang with others who are exactly like us, 
but to mutually serve each other so that we can all grow together into the fullness of faith in God. My fulfillment in life is dependent on y'all. My individual fulfillment in life is dependent on y'all. The best life that God has designed for me to live is intimately connected to y'all. I have only been given a portion of faith. Paul also uses gift in this teaching, right? I've only been given a portion of faith to get the full measure of the faith. I commit and connect and serve the church body that Jesus has called me to. This is one of the many scriptures that makes it clear that you cannot follow Jesus unless you commit to his body, to the church. You can't be transformed into the fullness of Jesus unless you see your individual self with sober judgment and truly attach yourself to the rest of the body. The best expression of my individual self only grows in proportion to my attachment and commitment to the body that I was uniquely designed to attach to. My best individual life is only found when I put that life in the hand of many others and then receive their lives. And here's what the scripture says cover to cover. The more different you are than me, hear this church, the more different you are than me, the more that I can grow into the fullness of faith as I connect with you. So, blood family, yeah, we start there. And we've got to commit to blood family, but we've got to get outside of blood family to people who are different from us in the church. That's how we grow in seeing the full picture of faith that God has put in this world. Paul, uh, Peter, not Paul, but Peter says in his letter to the churches, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. God has given each of us a gift, a portion of faith that represents him. And he asks us, don't sit on that gift. Use it to serve one another in real relationship with each other to use it and grow it and exercise it. And you see in the scripture that there are three major arenas where we are to use the gifts that he's given us. In our blood family, in our church, and in our world, which is our jobs, our schools, our cities, our communities. Right? Our family, our blood family, our spiritual family, and then the, the mission field, the world. That's where we're to use our gifts, these three arenas. Today, we are focused on the emphasis that the scripture gives to use your gift in the church community. That's, that's this, this first arena. It's emphasized a lot in the scripture, actually. Because, see, if you just try to commit to just your blood family, you're not going to grow in the gifts God has given you. Because most blood families, not everybody is following Jesus. So you will feel alone. You will be kind of buried by the weight of trying to hold up the, that portion of faith you've been given for the whole family. You actually need to put the spiritual family uh, as, you know, not first, but you got to put it right there so that you can see all the other gifts. You can receive from the other gifts. So you can grow into your gift stronger and stronger so you can bring it even more to your blood family. We are wired, fundamentally created, wired to need God through others so that we can give God to others. We don't go to the mountain to get more of God. Sometimes we need that time with God, but we go to each other. And that's how we get more of God and give more of God. See, and if you just use your gifts in the world, in your job, in the city, in the community, and not in the church, because 
you know, besides having the same struggle of, as, the, as the blood family feeling alone, you usually will fall into the trap of glorifying yourself instead of glorifying Jesus. This is the problem with American activism. At its heart, it's a bunch of people who are trying to change the world for their own glory. Too many American Christians are investing in my ministry instead of building up the church of Jesus so that, as Peter says, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. When your individual efforts are connected to the church family that you're committed to, you're able to show the people that you're changing in the city the fullness and diversity of Jesus. You're able to build up the reputation of Jesus better by making his church healthier. You with me, church? Right? As you invest in the church, you make it healthier. So the reputation of Jesus. Do we need Jesus' reputation to be better and more clear in this world? Amen. Right? We got too many people putting the name of Jesus on things that are not Jesus and ruining his reputation. We have got to love our Father in heaven and the family that we come from and invest in the church so that the world sees who God really is. I'm not the savior of the city. Jesus is. And he chooses to save through his church. The scripture is clear about that. We build up the church so that our individual efforts and our individual portions can combine to bring the city around us more the fullness of Jesus. Let me just give you a simple picture of what I mean by this. I loved our Easter service. It was awesome. I got to meet Veronica. Is she here today? I don't know if she's here. So I got to meet Veronica. She comes up to get prayer. First time at our church. And she's going through stuff. And I'm feeling it. But I have not walked through her same story. And so it was awesome. I, I, I turn and I see Mary worshiping right here where she's at. And she's, Mary's into it. She's worshiping. And I just say, God, open. I'm like, God, open her eyes so she sees me. And right away, she just turns and looks at me. I was like, oh, yeah, baby. I was like, come here. Mary comes and, and I connect her to Veronica. And I saw her spiritual gift. See, Veronica's going through stuff. And I had compassion. But Mary has the spiritual gift of empathy. Mary starts to cry. Mary starts to get in close. Mary, I can tell she feels what's going on. And then Mary knows her story. Now, think about this. Veronica, then Veronica gets ministered to by the love of God through Mary. And then after church, when I see, say goodbye to Veronica, Veronica's like, hey, I want to serve at this church. I loved it. She got served by Mary's gift. She wants to bring her gift and serve at the church. Think about this. If I was just out in the street and I was not connected to this church, and I'm out in the street and I'm, I meet Veronica and I tell her about the love of Jesus, she's going to get some but because I'm connected to the church body, she gets the full gift of God. The gift that she really needed in that moment, not from me, but from Mary. Can I get an amen about that? It's not about me. I'm not the Savior. We're all in this together to build up the full picture of Jesus. Can I just bring this home for us, church? The 25th chapter of Matthew is as rich as a chapter that we have in the Gospels. In that chapter... You will find three parables of Jesus, three teachings of Jesus where he describes what is going to be on our final exam when we meet God face to face on judgment day. You want to know what's on the final exam. Can I get an amen? All right. He just, he sets us up. When we, on judgment day, we will have no excuse. We've been given the notes. Y'all, we've been given the answers. And in this chapter, three teachings, he says there's going to be three parts to the final exam. One, did you have your own oil? Did you have your own relationship with Jesus? Not dependent on your pastor, not dependent on grandma, your own relationship with Jesus. 
Are you loyal to Jesus? Do you love Jesus? That's going to be the first part of the test. Then the second part of the test is, did you care for the people around you who were in suffering? Those who were poorer than you. Those who were stuck in a certain area of life. Those who have special need. I mean, anybody, did you care for those who suffered around you? That's the second part of the test. Then the third aspect of the final exam comes in a parable where Jesus tells this story. He says, a wealthy man in, uh, is going to leave on a long journey. And he, before he leaves, he entrusts portions of his wealth to three different folks. And then he leaves for a long time, and then he comes back. Two of those three folks have doubled the portion of wealth that he gave them. And he said, great job. You now are, are trustworthy. I can see that when I give you something of mine, you use it, you grow it, right? You're gonna, I'm going to give you way more than you ever dream of having because I can trust you. The third person just buried it in the ground and didn't touch it, and, and the master was like, I gave you something, and you just ignored it? You didn't care about this? No, and you're not getting any. You're not getting more. You're not trustworthy with my stuff. And this teaching is big picture teaching. And what it's saying is when we face God at the end of our lives, right, it's not about the literal money. It's, not, it's, just, an it's just a symbol. Jesus is saying that it represents the portion of the kingdom that he's given to us, the portion of the DNA of God, the faith that he's given to us. Paul connects that here in Romans, the gifts that the Lord has given each of you in God. When we give our lives to Jesus, we are all to be, that's part of the final exam. This is the beauty of his grace. He's saying, hey, you can stumble and fall. You got a whole lifetime, but just use it. Just don't bury it. Right? I don't care. I mean, just, just do it. Just make it a part of your life and grow it. And we're clearly told in the scripture that what we have been given by God, our uniqueness, our gifts, that a part of our lives is using that to strengthen and build up the church that we are called to commit to. Church, I have not done a great job teaching on this aspect of our discipleship and relationship with Jesus. I've been kind of caught in the paradigms and the way of thinking that we use today. When we talk about helping out in the church, I have often said, we often say, we need volunteers. But our concept of volunteering is not at all what the Bible is teaching here. See, I volunteer for my kids' Little League baseball team. I'm currently volunteering right now for my son's track team. Because there's a need, there's a need, they don't have anybody, I'll volunteer, I'll help out. But you see, what we do at church is not volunteer, we serve in our gifts. We've been given something, and we're all to bring it. Somebody's a hand, somebody's an arm, somebody's an elbow, and we're all to then exercise our gifts here in the family. Volunteering on my kids, my, my son's track team, that's optional. Serving in the church is not optional if we want to pass the final exam. Serving in our church family is imperative to growing in our gifts and to managing the portion of faith that Jesus has given us. Also, I think today we think of volunteering as like self-sacrifice. Uh, so we always ask ourselves before we commit to volunteering, do I have the energy to do this? Is this going to be a good thing for me? While it's true that some people do too much and need to set some boundaries and make sure they get some rest, serving in the church is an important part of receiving joy and growing in the spirit of Jesus. 
It's through serving that we discover spiritual gifts and start to realize, wow, I'm really juiced up when I serve in this way. Wow, it's easier for me to kind of serve in this way than others, and people are actually being blessed because I can do this more efficiently than others. Some of you have this gift of administration, of organization. I don't understand it because I don't have it, okay? In the scripture, I'm not, there's so many scriptures on spiritual gifts, but the Greek word for it, the, gift, the spiritual gift of administration comes from that time. It was the person who could navigate a large ship into a busy port harbor and not crash into anything. Oh my gosh, now that's the gift of administration. That you can figure out the details to do something as efficiently and perfectly as possible so that we don't have a lot of chaos and craziness around here. That is, some of you have learned some skills to kind of be organized. Some of you don't realize it. it's a spiritual gift, and you're doing it, and it juices you up while some of us are like, this is trauma for me. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to organize anything. Whether it's the gift of empathy or administration and organization, or we just go down the list, right? We've been talking a lot about how do we receive the spirit of Jesus, and we focus on so much of the biblical teaching on how to receive this direct relationship to Jesus, prayer, worship, scripture, solitude. But there's just as much scripture that guides us to receive the spirit, to live in the spirit and grow in the spirit as we love and serve each other in our gifts. There are seasons when people need to take a break from serving in the church and just receive, but that is just for a season. If we have a mentality that serving in church is only tiring and self-sacrificing, and receiving is the only way to be served, then we're just missing Jesus. We're following a different gospel. It's the gospel of consumerism. Especially if you've identified a spiritual gift, then serving in that gift is a primary way that Jesus grows you in his spirit and his life and his joy. We have some different ministries here at the church that allow all of us to serve in our gifts, to be faithful in the portion of faith God has given us. So here's, I want to just show you some of them. It's not even all of them. We have a Pan Dulce ministry. I started with this one because this is simple. But this is an amazing thing. We talked about at Easter how much Jesus loves to eat with people. That's holy stuff that goes on outside. Bringing Pan Dulce, it creates this warm environment before service. We could just have the same person bringing it every week, or we could have some of you with some hospitality gifts bring that Pan Dulce and stand out there and greet people. And serve Pandulce and let them just go, wow, this person is warm. And this bread is good. They found the spot. Next slide. Children's ministry. The children's ministry, that exists to help, rec help children recognize God so they can know, love, and seek, and live for God. This is a valuable ministry. Some of you have the gift of teaching. Serve in the church with your gift. Some of you have the gift of play and fun. You're still a little child. You're, you're, you know, you're middle-aged, but you're still a child. That's a spiritual gift. Sometimes it's used in the wrong ways, right? You know, your family's like, hey, come on, grow up a little bit. Bring that spiritual gift to our kids. Our kids show up every day at schools, and they're taught great things. But we don't know what's, what the heart is behind those teachers. At least one day a week, let's let our kids receive teaching from spiritually gifted teachers and folks that love Jesus. Hmm, that's a ministry. I mean, if you really want to be blessed, serve children. Youth ministry. Oh, the youth ministry exists to disciple teens in, in the ways and word of Jesus. And even if you're like, I can't stand up and talk to teens, you could show up 
week in and week out, you could give rides. Because they, I mean, they got 25 kids, young adults that are coming every one. I mean, they have like 35, but about 25 each week. They're giving rides every week. They're serving food. They're just, you could just be a ministry of presence. Just be an uncle, an aunt, right? You can just serve in that way and say, I'm going to get into this ministry, and then I'll figure out what I'm actually good at, and then we'll get going. Oh, that's a big ministry. Hospitality ministry, kind of connected to Palm Dulce, just out there, just wanting people to go, hey, I see you. God sees you. You're loved today. Whatever you're carrying into this building, the Lord's going to take it off of you. I'm going to give it a tech ministry. We got folks in the back there. Some of you, it's much easier than others to figure out tech, right? You can get training. So that everybody else can just enjoy the worship service. These guys are doing so much behind the scenes to get everything set up. You could serve in that way. And of course, our worship ministry leads the church into a posture of worship as they prepare. So if you've got musical gifts, singing gifts, right? I think that's it, right? Did we get it all? Yep, we got it all. And there's more. There is more that is there. Here's the thing. As we grow in what we've, like, we don't need to be great when we start out in these ministries. Some of you are like, I don't know if I can handle young adults or teens or children. But you just learn and grow and you get training and support. And then, you, then, and then as you just jump in and do things, the leaders that you're working with will help you discern, hey, I think you've got a spiritual gift here. When you did this particular thing, dude, that was easy for you. And that's how we grow together. You don't have to pass the test before you serve. You just serve, and then you figure out. I'm going to bring up Sam. Sam, come on up here. I'm going to invite her up. I'm going to interview her real quick. I asked her. So you all know Sam is this incredibly gifted worship leader, right? Thank you for leading us in your gifts with worship, right, and singing. But what you might not know is that she has... Uh, taught our children a couple times, just recently, past couple months. So I wanted to ask her a little bit about that experience. So what were some of your initial doubts or fears when you stepped into that service? I definitely thought it would be really crazy, and I'm not the biggest fan of little, little kids. I love teens. <laughs> so I think, uh, no shade to any of the parents because they're great, but it's just I was nervous it was going to be a lot to handle. So like early in the morning. Yep, yep. <laughs> a lot of energy early in the morning, kids destroying things. Yep, yeah, yep, got you. So how did you experience God as you were serving in that? It was totally not what I imagined at all. It was not crazy, which I was so surprised. Um, and I think, I, I one, I felt God's patience because I really, like it, it takes patience. And I feel like he was growing me in that area because I'm very impatient in life. Um, and then I really felt like he was showing me, like, this is a place where my heart is at. And these, there's so many kids, I didn't realize that. And I, re I didn't realize I didn't know most of their names, but I see them all the time. So I feel like he was showing me, like, I'm also here, not just in the main sanctuary. That's good. Thank you, Sam. Can we thank her for serving? Yes. Some of you have no idea, right? It's like certain Sundays, if you say yes to getting down with our kids, you will receive more from Jesus than if you were up here. Um, that's just how God works. And I love the honesty, right? Just worried about it's going to be crazy. And then the surprise of how it blessed me 
boy, the deposits that we get to make into our kids. I'm going to bring the worship team up. Today at our potluck, you are going to see around the back different posters with information about all these different ministries. Pray. Have some courage. You're not committing your whole life. You're just saying, you know what, I will. I will serve. And just believe the scripture that you have been given something unique that is supposed to be grown and expressed in your church family. That more of your identity and who you are meant to be and the purpose of your life and the joy of your life is to be found as you serve. Try a couple things. Try a couple different ministries over this next year. Jump in. And there is more that we haven't even talked about that we're going to bring uh, even more there. We are a church that is about the team. We are a team-based church, man. That's why you see different people preaching and teaching week after week. It's why you see Testimony Sunday because we know that each person in this room has a deposit, has something of God that can only come alive when it's with everybody else. Rita had a profound impact on my understanding of who Jesus is and what it means to grow in the gifts he's given us. In a couple of years, I wonder how many of you will have a profound impact on others in this room because you decided to not live for yourself, but to serve in the gifts that God has given you. And as we worship, let's serve each other right now. Some of you know that you need to sing to Jesus. Do you realize in this space, when you sing to Jesus, you create an atmosphere of faith. You create an atmosphere of love. Because when one, two, three, 10, 20, start singing to God, the Spirit of God falls, and that person who is tired starts to feel the energy and the life of God. That person who has come in with a little bit of hopelessness starts to feel hope rise. That's how we serve each other right here in this space. Some of you just need to sing to God. Some of us need to, there's a word that God has given us to pray for somebody else. And we can go around this room during this worship and pray as a way to really bless and serve each other. Oh, when you come to the family every week, you come to receive and to give. Let's stand together. Come on. Jesus, I thank you for this family. I thank you for the small ways and the big ways that we have been brought together to show your greatness, your variety of gifts. I thank you for the unique stories in this room. I thank you for the unique gifts in this room. Lord Jesus, we want to be a healthy body. Connect us together. Help us to work together. Help us to be able to just move and run in the fullness that you give us. Help us to worship you together. God, it's all for your glory. We need you, Jesus. So as we worship you, just let us praise your name. Let us believe that our individual part is going to contribute to the whole. Give us deep convictions to say yes to your family right here. Come, Holy Spirit of God. It's your time.